I went to LA for DAZN. I had uh, some boxing I was calling. I hadn't done any boxing in a year and a half. But I called a few fights at the LAFC Stadium. So five and a half How hour did the flight. internet? How did the internet treat you this time? This time, much, much better. Yeah, I actually got like, I had a handful of compliments. I'm like, wow, I'm not used to this. When I do combat sports, getting compliments from people on social media. It shouldn't have taken 11 years for the widow to get her own standalone adventure, but thanks to some zesty new character dynamics and smart twists, Marvel have finally done her right. That's Nick DeSemlian of Empire, Black Widow, one of the movies we're reviewing this week here on Cinephile. In addition to that, Quick Change, one of my dad's favorite comedies, and thus one of my favorite comedies, a great Bill Murray movie, King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters, a documentary that I'd never seen, I finally got around to seeing, and Inside Lewin Davis, a great Coen Brothers movie, uh, which I saw a few years ago, I finally got to watch it again, it's available on Amazon Prime. Uh, ben Lyons is also going to join us, my guy. He's filling in for Rich Eisen all week, but he's going to make a few minutes for us here. Uh, he's going to talk about Do the Right Thing, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. And I think it's a great summer movie. And I just, in the middle of the summer right now, I feel like watching Do the Right Thing. Ben's favorite filmmaker is Spike Lee, so he's perfect for that. Chris Cody is along for the ride, as always. Cody, okay, we need updates here. First of all, Ray Romano hit you with a ball. Can you just get to the bottom of this? <laughs> I know. I feel like I should have gotten him on the show, right? All right. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Ray Romano's in my family. That's what makes all of this weird. Um, my wife's father is first cousins with Ray Romano, and I've met oh him once. God. So I went into this weekend with Tahoe thinking, okay, I've met Ray Romano once. I'm kind of related to him. I don't like run to run into him. I don't want to bother him during his like busy tournament. Long story short, he shows up at 17. I'm mic'd up. I'm being videotaped. And the whole bit we're going to do is, Hey, Ray, I'm your long-lost family member as he walks down the fairway. Like, that's the only bit we're going for. And he drills me with a golf ball. Oh, my God. And so we get on camera, and he walks over to me, and I don't tell him who I am because I'm terrified and I'm a chicken. No, it's family. You're like, Ray, you just hit family. Like, can't wait for the family dinner, which is not going to happen. But still, you are a part of the family. Wow. But I, I had to, but so I awkwardly talked to him afterwards. We're good now. But it was just like, I could not have written this. This is a movie podcast. If I wrote that in a movie, it would have yeah. been like, you would have been like too unrealistic. That's never going to happen. It was insane. Ray Barone. Um, <laughs> I should have got him. I should have used him hitting me to get him on Cinephile. What was I doing? Absolutely. How did you end up at golf? Did you did you acquit yourself well? I'm sure you did. I, well. I did do well. We were kind of playing kind of a scramble, so it wasn't fully my score, but it was yeah. just more than the score. Adnan, have you been to Lake Tahoe? I haven't. I heard it's incredible. Good God, I love God it. Godfather man. too. Yeah, it is breathtaking. Like I, I've always thought when people say breathtaking, it's like get over yourself. It's not sure. really breathtaking. This was legitimately breathtaking. You gotta go. Oh, I can't wait. Um, by the way, great episode last week. Thanks to all the comments. Please go to Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe, rate, and review. Dan's performance, I mean, Walter Hudson conversation oh. coming out of left field. Yeah, I believe good. Cody Cody not giving a Levitard-type uh, guest today. Is that correct? Because no. you're, just so, you're winded from, uh, from top. I'm not in my most prepared today. It was a long weekend for me. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm rebounding. I'm trying to come strong. But uh, no no Levitard surprises today. I, mean, I, I figure, you know, I want to throw a curveball every once in a while, and the curveball will be... Nobody, just you. Well, we got Ben Lyons, huh? but no Levitard. Yeah, no, Ben Lyons. I was just saying, nobody. I'm nobody your Levitard. I'm your Levitard show guy today. <laughs> I love it. The best and I haven't Chris. seen and I haven't seen anything we're, we're reviewing. So if you want an unprepared Chris Cody, this is your show, okay, folks. <laughs> this is what we're looking forward to. All right, let's dive in and talk first about Black Widow. So, 
as I've said before, I am tired of all these Marvel movies. I have superhero fatigue. But our friend Billy said that F9 saved the movie industry. It's, it's a anymore. ridiculous statement. First of all, A Quiet Place Part 2 was the week previous and had done very well. Then it was F9, which again <laughs> went higher. And now blowing the doors off everything is Black Widow. 80 million at the domestic box office during its debut, the most of any film released in the wake of COVID. Over the weekend, around 81% of theaters are open. Long-awaited movies able to earn 215 million worldwide. Domestically, as I said, took in 80, so 70 internationally. You got 60 million Disney Plus premiere access. F9, by comparison, 70 million over its three-day launch. So the bottom line is this. Movie theaters are back. People are going to the movies. People love their superhero films. I believe this is the first time Disney released their box. Uh, Disney Plus released mm. their how much they made off a movie. I found that interesting. That is interesting because in the past, like Netflix, they'll never actually tell you how many people watch. Like I think they see the number that watched it, but you're like, well, some people are borrowing passwords, shared right. passwords. Are you watching the whole movie? Is it five minutes? Is it ten minutes? So it's very kind of sneaky. But you're right. Bottom line is, juggernaut box office is back. I wasn't crazy about the film, even though again, these films are not targeted for me. What's more of interest to Cody and the rest of the audience is how much did I pay for the tickets? Well, this <laughs> time I went to a local theater rather than the AMC in Paramus, ah. where I paid ninety-one dollars for tickets for myself and four kids. This time, myself and three kids. I'm not going to take a two and a half year old to see Black Widow. So this time, sixty-six dollars. I mean, you're looking at at least three dollars cheaper per ticket. Now, Man. is it a rundown theater? No. Is it picturesque? No. But it's in the middle. It's a decent movie theater. The popcorn, rather than nine seventy-nine for a large, seven. 79 per wow. large, and you still get that free refill, baby. <laughs> yes. And this time, because I wasn't crazy about the movie, I waited like an hour in, and I'm like, all right, well, we, we crushed this pop. All right, refill, let's go. So okay, we actually ate the refill in the movie, which made more sense. Listen, what, Scarlett Johansson. What's your, what's your strategy for um, leaving to go to the bathroom in a movie that you've never seen? Like, it's yeah, a normally, dangerous game, because like, I always am terrified I'm going to miss something. Do you like, do you try to go after an exciting scene? Because you're like, they can't have two exciting scenes. Like, how do you play that? Real simple arithmetic. If I'm into the movie, I hold off. If I'm not into the movie, I don't give a damn. <laughs> don't give so, Black Widow, an hour in, I'm like, yeah, like I, I don't really care about this movie. I'm just going to go to the bathroom right now. and I mean, I'll get some popcorn while I'm at it. Maybe Twizzlers. Like, oh, I think we're good. I'm yeah. not going to miss much. I, yeah. I, I, I was so confident I wouldn't miss it. Whereas The Irishman, which I made sure I emptied my bladder when I saw it three times in theaters, I wasn't yeah. missing a thing. And I'd seen it three times. I'm like, no, I'm not missing a thing. Fun fact about The Irishman, my family member, Ray Romano, missed yeah. my wedding because he was filming The Irishman. Look at that. He would have well, been I'm at my wedding. Still sent a nice gift, by the way. Still so sent not, a great gift. He, he but really he would have been a, He would have been in my wedding if not for the stupid Irishman. <sighs> we missed an opportunity to get him on Cinefall, but now I feel like he is a member of your family, so that is going to happen I think now. we're going to, yeah, I'm gonna, down the road. I think I'm going to get Oh, it's inevitable. Sure. I saw him at Jimmy Kimmel's after party for the Oscars, which Ben Lyons hooked me up with because Ben had an invite, so I just came along with my wife and Ben and his wife. And as we were walking in, I saw Ray Romano walking out. So I pulled the old... Uh, as if I was just walking oh, in yeah. again. So oh, I yeah. ran back when he didn't see me, and then I walked, hey, Ray, how's it going? How are Love you? that move. Love that and, move. and literally all I said to him was, I'm like, I cannot wait for the Irishman. He's like, oh, well, you better be, better be waiting. I'm like, what? He's like, oh, I better keep waiting, because this, whatever year it was, the post-production took like a year, whatever yeah. it was. But I'm like, hey, Ray, I'm on to you. So the bottom line is this. If you're into superhero movies, you're going to enjoy Black Widow. I did like the fact it's a female heroine. You can focus on the female story for a change. Scarlett Johansson, always convincing in the role. Florence Pugh is a good actress. She's along for the ride. What I find interesting is like 
like the critically acclaimed actors who are just showing up for a paycheck. Rachel Weisz is an Academy Award winning actress. She won for The Constant Gardener, I think. And mm-hmm. she's just showing up like, oh, whatever. Well, what's the paycheck? I'm, like, oh, I'm in. Sure. Done. Kate Blanchett. Remember she had those horns? She was in like one yeah. of those Thor movies. I'm like, what? why is Kate Blanchett? Oh, probably the money was good. The guy I love is Ray Winstone, who's a great British actor. Great. You know him from The Departed, played Frenchie. Uh, he's in a film called Ooh, uh, Frenchie. The War Zone. Yeah. Frenchie and The Departed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in a great film called The War Zone, which Tim Roth directed. Sexy Beast is one of my favorite movies of all time. So Ray, as soon as I saw Ray Winstone in the credits, I'm like, all right, I- I'm into this movie just to watch Ray Winstone. Famous yeah. British gangster, of course, is going to play the bad guy. Like, I would have lost my mind if he was actually the good guy. But I'm like, at some point, he's going to physically abuse Scarlett Johansson. Spoiler alert. And yep, that's what Ray Winstone is all about. So bottom line is this. It's two hours plus. I found it middling. I found it overly complicated. But if you love that Marvel Universe, I'm sure Black Widow is something you'll enjoy. I'm going to go ahead and give this one two Maple Leafs. That's the review when it comes to Black Widow. Now, the other movies that I'm more excited to talk about, Cody, are the movies that I found on the plane. Because I was going to uh, L.A. last week as you were traveling. I went to L.A. for DAZN. I had uh, some boxing I was calling. I hadn't done any boxing in a year and a half. But I called a few fights at the LAFC Stadium, by the way. I know you like your soccer. So the yeah. MLS, uh, the outdoor... Uh, Arena there. It's spectacular. I mean, God, who doesn't love California? 82 and sunny, calling some fights, two guys beating the crap out of each other. So five and a half How did the internet? How did the internet treat you this time? This time, much, much better. Yeah, I actually got like, I had a handful of compliments. I'm like, wow, I'm not used to this when I do combat sports, getting compliments from people on social media. This is, this is so alarming. in the fight game, especially in the yeah. fight game. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly, when it comes to combat sports. But I was really happy to watch Quick Change again, which is one of my favorite comedies. You've never seen it. If you've never seen Quick Change, take a United Airlines flight from Newark to L.A. sometime because they have it available. It stars Bill Murray. It's a great bank heist movie. You normally think of bank heist movies. You think of Dogged Afternoon or, you know, uh, Inside Man. But this is Bill Murray. Murray dressed up as a clown, and he's robbing the place, and he's got such great sense of humor. It's so witty. Gina Davis is one of the people that he's accomplished. She's in the bank with him. Uh, Randy Quaid. The cast is amazing, though. Tony Shalhoub, who's an incredible actor. You know, he's won so many awards for Monk. Um, obviously, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. This was like his breakthrough performance. He plays this cab driver who doesn't speak English. And at one point, Jason Robards, who's a two-time Academy Award winner, is trying to find out what happened. And Tony Shalhoub's like, Blaftone. <laughs> <laughs> Because he can't say bus. Like, him imitating a bus is amazing. Stanley Tucci's in the movie long before he was wow. eating food in Italy. Tucci's playing this like low-rent gangster. I mean, it's got one of these original cast, 1990 film, and there's this guy on the bus. You know when you watch him where you go, I love that guy. There's yeah. the guy on the bus who is so funny. He's adamant about exact change. Yeah, Always the guy on the bus. Always the guy on the bus. He's a pain <laughs> in the butt. So Quick Change was a fun movie to read. I'm, I'm a little disappointed you've never seen it before. Bill Murray actually co-directed it. So I think it's, if we ever I, met Bill Murray, go, hey, dude, Quick Change. He'd be like, yeah, yeah, I think he'd be I, happy if you liked I it. I actually, to, just to contribute something to this, I looked yeah. up some stuff about the movie. I saw it was the only thing Bill Murray ever directed. I also yeah. learned that Ron Howard was offered this as to direct it and turned it down because there wasn't a character to root for in it. Look at me bringing some facts. Dude, I love it. I love that you're going next level on this stuff. That's good work out of you. I felt I, very I, useless. I felt so useless. I'm like, I gotta get, I gotta come up with something I can say when we talk about quick change. So there it I was. Would've, I would have liked to see it if Ron Howard had directed the movie, but I think it's a very good comedy. Uh, Philip Thomas of Empire, enjoyable nonsense with a superb ensemble cast, pure entertainment, and Karen James of the New York Times, fed up yuppie Rob's bank. Murray's talent towers over <laughs> mediocre material. Well, come on, Karen. It's a good movie. Also in the cast, the great Phil Hartman, my favorite SNL member, the late Canadian. He shows up in the movie. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful cast for 1990 New York. The next one I saw was King of Kong, A Fistful of Cores, which I always wanted to see. 
Uh, Charles Cassidy Jr. of Common Sense Media, King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters is a funny documentary whether you're wild about vintage video games like Donkey Kong or not. Actually, it's funnier if you don't care. So they set the premise this way, Cody. There's a guy, he's the King of Kong. He's literally played this video game. He's gotten the most points ever. Have you ever played Donkey Kong, by the way, as a yeah, video game? Yeah, back in the day. I, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, I, I'm sure I did years ago. I, I couldn't remember what the hell my score was, but right. this guy's the king. But you could tell he's like a total a-hole. Like he's got this, almost like a messiah complex. He's got this beard, he's got the long hair, ponytail. He talks very stiffly and severely. You can just feel the arrogance when he speaks. Uh, he's very snide and condescending. And then you've got this other guy who is the challenger, and he's your ultimate likable guy. He's basically been a failure at everything he's done, but he's an easy guy to root for. He's a good dad. He's literally trying to play Kong while his kids are in the garage trying to ask him to play with them. His wife's like, listen, I love him because, you know, unfortunately, life hasn't always dealt him a strong hand, but he's been able to overcome. So you've got a great story set up. You've got a documentary, but eccentric subject matter. Guys that play video games. Yeah. Long before, like, you know, being a gamer was kind of cool. This is, like, embarrassing. And you even look at these guys, big horn glasses, you know, five o'clock shadow, bad salad. Like one of the guy's hairs looks like the coast of Florida. I'm like, oh my God, it's just horrible. So like these I've are the nerds. Hair, I've never heard hair described that way, but yeah, I knew the, co I can, the coast of no, Florida. But I can picture it. I knew exactly what you were saying. I've never heard that, but I could, that was just like perfect. Oh, that's, and that's what these guys are like. And then you see this one guy who's literally the king of the, it's like Revenge of the Nerds. This is like the big king nerd. And then in comes this other nerd who's easier to root for. So it's an 85-minute documentary. I thought it was cool. It was different. If anything, it was nostalgic. It makes you think of that time. Where the guys original like gamer. That's pretty cool, actually. Like a documentary right? essentially about the original gamer. Right, and think what a good title it is, King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters. Like back when you actually had to go get a quarter, there's actually a place in Phoenix. I was there a year and a half ago calling fights for the zone, and it's like a retro arcade. And it literally feels like you're in 1987. You got to walk around, get quarters, play all these old Pac-Man, <laughs> all these old video games. The sports games, I'm sure you and I would like. I mean, listen, oh, I was going to ask you, RBI what's like baseball. The, what was the game you were the best at? I don't know if I was the best at, but I really enjoyed RBI baseball because yeah. all the baseball players look oh. the same. They're just short and fat. That's and all of a sudden, true. Mike Sosha is just crushing. Like every time he's up, I'm like three right. run jack. Mike so. Sosha? Oh, yeah. If I had Mike Sosha in RBI baseball, like, forget about it. We I just think of Mike game. Sosha as managing the Angels. That's who I bet. Sure. It's tough to imagine him as a player. Uh, so King of Kong, a fistful of quarters, Seth Gordon's documentary about two men vying for the high score in Donkey Kong succeeds as a portrait of a subculture. That's from Matt Zoller, sites of the New York Times. One more film to talk about, and then we're going to get to some entertainment stories and our man Ben Lyons talking Do the Right Thing and the Cannes Film Festival, Inside Lewin Davis, which is one of these Coen Brother movies, which I think has kind of been you know, lost by the wayside. It was only nominated for two Academy Awards, Best Cinematography, Best Sound Mixing. film came out 2013 in December. One of those films that did great with critics. I don't know how many people saw it. I looked it up. I think the budget, Cody, was maybe 15, 16 million. I think it made 30 million. So if you can double mm -hmm. your budget, it's a modest success. When you look at their films, generally music is a big part of it. Oh, Brother, Art Thou, obviously the soundtrack was very popular. Uh, Lady Killers. Even that film, Atomics, didn't do well, but good gospel soundtrack. This is a great folk music soundtrack. And dare I say, in the annals of film, if I said to you, what's a great folk movie soundtrack? Well, now we can answer. Inside Lewin Davis. Uh, the first song is sung by Oscar Isaac called Hang Me. Later on, there's a song called Fairly Well. Mumford and Sons were involved. T-Bone Burnett, of course, great musician. He was involved in the collaboration of the music. And in many ways, this heralded the arrival of Oscar Isaac. And if I see Oscar Isaac now to people, they go, the guy from Star Wars? I'm like, yeah. Oh, he's in a couple other films I've heard of. I, I hope he capitalizes on the rest of his career. Because I remember watching this film thinking, he looks a little like a young Al Pacino. He's got a real surliness about him. The story is quite simple. It's about a folk musician who appears to be very talented, but for one reason or another is not finding success. So it's that era of like, why isn't this guy Bob Dylan? Because clearly he has a great voice. He literally understands the music. He feels it. 
And he sings it, by the way, himself. Oscar Isaac, there's no body double at all. So the Coen brothers find this actor. He ends up nailing the part. But much like the film, the movie kind of aped it in that it's about a guy who isn't recognized for his talents. And I feel like the movie itself has not been recognized enough for its talents. So inside Lewin Davis, as always, it's got good Coen brothers supporting characters. John Goodman's in the movie. Carrie Mulligan is in the film. She plays his love interest. And ultimately, it goes back to the idea, Cody, a lot of these musicians are generally self-absorbed jerks. Yeah. Like this guy knocks up his girl. He's like, gosh, like I just want to play the guitar. Like, oh, I got to have a kid now. Like, we got to get this abortion. When's the abortion taken care of? You know, he plays for F. Marie Abraham, who of course played Salieri and Amadeus. And he's like, I don't see any money. And he's like, come on, like I'm an artist, damn it. He's trying to find this cat because he's such a prick. He's housing this family. He lets the cat out. Ends up finding another cat. And the woman goes, this is not the right cat. Look at his scrotum. Look at his scrotum. You can tell it's not the right cat. It's a bizarre movie, but I'm telling you, it's funny. And if you know anybody who has any sort of interest in Bob Dylan or folk music, Inside Lewin Davis is a great one. Justin Timberlake's in this, right? Justin Timberlake is in the cat. Adam Driver is in the movie. At, at one point, he's singing a song with this duet, and the duet is Justin Timberlake and Adam Driver. I'm like, oh my, I forgot these guys are in the movie. So I just I just brought up Justin Timberlake to say that I was hanging out with him in Tahoe this weekend. Like, hang yeah, on a second. No, there's no way. Did you actually no, hang I, with him? Like, okay. Did you see no, him no, from a distance? Did. Dude, dude, like real quick, we were in this room, this welcome party on Wednesday night. We were in this room as big as the room I'm in now, and I was with it. All the celebrities playing in it. Like, I'm telling you, it was a who's who. I was watching this magician do magic next to Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, Kevin nice. Millar, Kevin Nealon, and then right behind us, Justin Timberlake and Aaron Rodgers are holding court. I'm telling you, I felt like a nobody. You want to feel like a nobody? You go into that room. And I was just uh, like, Somebody was must have known you. Like, hey, Lebertard show. Like, hey, Cody. Oh, no. Oh, no, no. Did anyone know your dad? Only the guy from NBC who invited us. Like, that was the only person that, that knew. <laughs> well, DraftKings, I'm sure, was happy for the pie. Oh, I know yeah. you're wearing a DraftKings hat, DraftKings mm -hmm. shirt, letting everybody know. Yeah. Uh, so there's our smorgasbord of movies and Chris Cody stories from Tahoe. Black Widow, I'm giving two Maple Leafs again. Superhero fatigue for me. Quick Change, one of my favorite comedies, four Maple Leafs. The King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters, a documentary from 2007. So next year is the 15th anniversary. I'll give that three Maple Leafs. And Inside, Lewin Davis. As John Goodman's character one time says to him, what's the N stand for? He's like, what? He said, your name is Lou N. Davis. He's like, no, my name is Lewin. Inside, Lewin Davis, four stars. By the way, A.O. Scott of New York Times, Inside Lewin Davis is an intoxicating, somewhat surreal ramble to the Greenwich Village folk scene in 1961. Having seen none of these, after hearing you describe them, I, I think I most want to watch Quick Change because I love yes. Bill Murray. <laughs> so, like, that's the first one. And I think, like, I went into this thinking Black Widow was going to be at the top of this list, but Quick Change yeah. jumped ahead of Black oh, Widow. And I think I want to watch the Lewin Davis feel. The Lewin as Davis you know, film. nothing makes me happier than someone listening to this podcast and going, I took your recommendation. Yeah. Todd Warbur last week, the verdict. If you tell me after this podcast, someone's going to tweet in and go, Oh, dude, I went and found Quick Change. Great comedy. Yes. Bill Murray at his finest. And it's before Randy Quaid went crazy. Like quickly, oh, I, I, as I'm watching the movie, I'm like, could anybody have predicted what happened to Randy Quaid? Like he was known crazy. for playing eccentric <laughs> characters. And in this movie, by the way, he plays this real weirdo man child. He's yeah. boys with Bill Murray from way before. Gina Davis looking rather fetching. And I'm like, oh. Randy Quaid, could anybody have predicted this guy one day is going to lose all his marbles? I mean, his character in uh, Vacation was kind yes. of odd. I, it was kind of like he, you know. Yeah. Like imagine him as a romantic leading man. It's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> that's my goal we're going to raise enough money from Cinefile to get Randy Quaid to play romantic leading man that's his comeback he's not going to be crazy uh, one more review Joanna Robledo of Common Sense Media Inside Lewin Davis is a feat of filmmaking taking the gentle strains of folk music and revealing it for the revolutionary act that it is another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast, lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. A couple of little nuggets here to pass along before we get to Ben Lund. Some entertainment news. I mentioned Black Widow did great. We know that Ray Romano hit Greg Cody. We also know Jada Chris Pinkett Cody. Smith. Chris Cody. Chris Cody. Yeah, what did I say? I said Greg or your dad got hit. Your dad was totally fine. Yeah. Um, Jada Pinkett Smith, crazy story. On the set of The Nutty Professor, I did not realize that she's had real issues with substance abuse. Yeah. Wine for me was like Kool-Aid. I was a hard liquor drinker. I could drink almost anybody under the table. She then claimed she could outdrink husband Will Smith specifically because he's such a lightweight. I'm used to that hard hit. I was doing cocktails. A mix of ecstasy, alcohol, and marijuana. Then how about this incident? She had a bad batch of ecstasy, passed out. I told her but I must have an old medication, the vitamin bottle. This is in the city of the night, Professor. I'll tell you what I did, though. Got my ass together, got on that set. That was the last time. Before that close call, by the way, she said, for years, this is not cocaine, this is not heroin, I wasn't doing things I thought were addictive. That was my cocktail. Would you ever have thought Jada Pinkett Smith loving the ecstasy? It's crazy that, like, though, like I, I'm all for a good time, Adnan. But, like, at work? Like, is she talking about, like, on set? Like, this is insane. Yeah. Like, hey, let's have a good time. Like, obviously, don't do ecstasy. I'm not, like, promoting ecstasy. I'm just saying, if you want to have a good time, have a good time. But why are we doing this at work? After hours. Like, and I is, think this is going to become responsible. more Right. Imagine how many CBD gummies are being passed out right now oh. on movie sets. Right, Tahoe. Because now it's legal. Now it's like, well, whatever. I just went and got some candy. I got some CBD gummy. I didn't realize it was right. CBD. Oh, my God. Now I'm high as a kite. Crap. I just like gummy bears. I mean, isn't hasn't Jada Pickett-Smith kind of been on a tangent lately of just like saying crazy things? So it's actually not that surprising in hindsight that she's well, I guess a you're right. little bit of a yeah. wild one. And calling Will Smith a lightweight as well. The man <laughs> who drew God is marking the reintroduction of Kevin Spacey. Wow. He is coming back. Director Franco Nero's wife, the actor Vanessa Redgrave, originally believed to be appearing in the film, received social media backlash regarding her storing role alongside Spacey, who has never publicly acknowledged the multiple allegations against him. But the poster for the new film premiered during the Cannes Film Festival this week. Kevin Spacey being given prime position on the poster and second billing in the credits after Nero. Uh, Director is Frank Nero. Uh, the film tells the story of a blind artist who can draw people from their voice and is wrongly accused of sexually abusing a child. I mean, in today's world, Cody, I'm kind of shocked. Kevin Spacey's making a comeback. Why? Like, what's happening? Like, I'm. What did I miss? Did something happen? Like, did, did uh, this is just this makes me feel uncomfortable. From cancel like culture to making a comeback. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people like this. I, I'll be shocked who's going to go watch this film. But apparently, the man who drew and you God. Put, it's not like you're hiding him. It's not like you're like you know what? We're just oh, yeah. giving him a small role. It's like he's right. the front of the poster. It's like right. what are we doing? Normally, you get eased back. You're right. Listen, Robert Downey Jr. Goes to jail, you come back, hey, I'm really sorry, I screwed up. Hey, all good, whatever. Things happen, right? Lance Armstrong, Tiger Woods, like once you have your issue, you issue your mea culpa, you move on. Spacey's denied all this stuff. He hasn't even addressed yeah. it. And oh. I, hey, I'm back. I'm making movies again. One more, and then we're going to get to our friend Ben Lyons. Val Kilmer, been waiting to tell his story for decades, fallen out of favor with the Hollywood scene, being seen as too tempestuous, too combative. Well, his new documentary, Val, people can't wait to see it, making its debut at Cannes. I've always liked Val Kilmer. You look at Tombstone, you know, I'm your Huckleberry, great Doc Holiday, amazing in the film Heat. It's been a shame he's been gone for so long. I know he had throat cancer, so I don't even know if he can speak right now, but this film is doing the speaking for him. He said he was an early nerd when it came to using Super 8 stuff, home video cameras. So this is an assemblage of video from the last 20 or 30 years. So it could be a rather interesting documentary. I wouldn't have thought that I wanted to watch a Val Kilmer documentary, but when I read this article, I was like, you know what? I'm in. 
Yeah, I, I think it definitely sounds intriguing. So I'm looking forward to it. Val, I believe it's going to be in theater stateside in August, currently making its premiere at the Cannes Film Festival. All right, Cinephile rolling along with our guest, Ben Lyons, next. This, this is one of those guys that I follow, and he follows me on Twitter, but I've never met him, so this could be a little awkward. Uh, I cannot wait. Let's start with that. <laughs> A pleasure to bring in my man, Ben Lyons, who has been filling in this week and next week for Rich Eisen. What a great gig, proof of Ben's talent, the fact that he's carrying that radio show on his sturdy shoulders. He's also cinephile, as you all know, those who love this podcast. We're going to talk about the Cannes Film Festival, which, by the way, we're recording this on a Tuesday. The show's on Thursday. I love seeing your guest rundown today. Peter Rosenberg, our old ESPN buddy, also a big wrestling guy. So I, I reconvened with him in my brief WWE stint. And you had Scott Feinberg on. Feinberg's the best. Hollywood reporter. He's at the Cannes Film Festival. Only you are bringing in Cannes Film Festival, Peter Rosenberg, Shohei Otani, Pete Alonzo, Home Run Derby, Game 4 NBA Finals. You're a unicorn. I think I said the name Joe Ingles seven times on the broadcast today because Team USA got worked. Uh, You're probably the only other person, Adnan, who can relate. When you get hired and fired as much as we have, your Rolodex goes deep. (laughs) It is true. I saw this quote the other day. You know, I don't know if you're like this, Ben. But when people say, do you have a quote about your life? I'm like, well, I saw this the other day. And it said, when I look at my life, I see large failures and small successes. And I'm as amazed as anyone that I've gotten to where I am. That's how I feel. Like, you look at the the, the crap that we've done. It's amazing. I'm still standing. I look at my life and I say, I'm on an email chain with Chris Cody. I hope he's doing okay after the race. How is Tahoe? I (laughs) I genuinely had a heartbeat, like, miss. Like, I missed a beat. So... I'm calming down. What does that say about my life? I'm glad you brought this up because Cody just said to us, he goes, I follow him and he follows me. We've never actually met. Twitter friends. What would you like to say to Ben Lyons? I mean, I'm just, it's one of those things. It's one of those people when, when somebody with a blue check mark follows me and then I follow them back, like we're as good, like we, I should be invited to his wedding. I don't know if he's married or not, but like, I just feel that close to him. Yeah. Okay, the well, lovely... well, maybe the you know if you get if you guys redo your vows, like invite me to that. <laughs> yeah, if you can get but... it sponsored by DraftKings, if you can get it sponsored by DraftKings, yes. then we'll we'll do it. Sounds good. <laughs> it's great to meet you. I love having Hollywood relationships, like famous to famous relationships, with such Hollywood yes. people like you. Because you oh, know when you guys when you, you think Hollywood and the French Riviera yeah. and Sundays, mm-hmm. you think Chris Cody. So mm-hmm. I, I get it that we're Hollywood acquaintances. Uh, you're welcome for allowing it's you to like, meet It's me. like being like Bob Hope and Sinatra on an old-timey talk show. We're like, oh, all the gang hanging out. We're just, you know, that's where we hang out on podcasts and talk shows. And yeah, just, you know. I love it. Cody as Bob Hope. We're going to get that done up as like a caricature or something. Ben, of course, will be Sinatra. I, I, since you talked to Feinberg, I got to ask you about Cannes, since I wish you and I were both there. But these are the films that's popped to my interest. I don't know if Feinberg mentioned any of these. Todd Solons has a new film? Yes. Happiness. Let's go. Dark and hilarious twist in the classic Oedipus story. That stars Rachel Weisz, Colin Farrell. Marlowe, which another Liam Neeson action thriller, whatever. But I love Neil Jordan. Hey, the crying game director is doing something. I'm in. Todd Haynes has a new movie. Natalie Portman, Julie and more and then these are the ones that you know I'm all about French Dispatch Wes Anderson a great cast Chalamet Del Toro Adrian Brody Tilda Swinton Francis McDormand Saoirse Ronan Bill Murray Benedetta Paul Verhoeven in a lesbian nun drama Hello and this is the one I'm really pumped I hope Feinberg mentioned this to you Red Rocket from Sean Baker our boy who did the Florida Project and Tangerine 
His latest work is described as a darkly funny but humane portrait of a uniquely American hustler starring Simon Rex as a washed-up adult film star returning to a small Texas hometown that barely tolerates him. That's what the world is clamoring for, Ben, and we have a porn star who now lives in anonymity. Wow, that is quite the rundown. Sadly, uh, Scott and I, that's quite the rundown. Sadly, Scott and I spent the most of our conversation talking about how Spike Lee demanded to have the Euro Cup final played at the Women in Film Party or whatever it was. Had, the, had Italy, England projected on a giant screen on a hillside overlooking the, uh, the French Riviera. So that's what we talked about. Watching sporting events at film say. festivals is something I... Yeah, see, you and Spike, uber sports fans, so you guys fit in that I mean, milieu. You were... Do you have a cancer about any of those people? Uh, Wes Anderson... Paul Verhoeven, Neil Jordan, Todd Haynes. Yeah, Todd I, saw, I saw Moonrise Kingdom at, at Cannes and covered it on uh, okay. at the uh, at the festival and interviewed Wes on the beach and Bob Balaban, whose daughter went to high school yes. with my sister Hannah. <laughs> so I remember them like partying on my roof as a kid and Bob Balaban showing up to pick everyone up. <laughs> so yes, I interviewed them there for Moonrise Kingdom, which went on to receive, I think, a best picture uh, that year. Um, yeah. And then one time I was interviewing Adrian Brody at Cannes and halfway through the interview, Akon just came over and said hi and just interrupted the whole interview. <laughs> so, All right. Yeah, there you go. But That's as you know, Adnan, Listen, you know, I met my wife at the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, I met Mariah there, which is insane because it's so story. not what us when story. you like get to know us. It's like she was there working right. at the time for Jimmy Choo. I was there doing interviews for Yahoo that never saw the light of day, by the way. Um, and I, uh, I enjoyed uh, getting to meet the love of my life while wearing a tuxedo at a uh, and she's in a ball gown and our first date like unofficially in our official rule book unofficially it was that tommy lee jones western that he directed with hillary swank where i believe oh, yeah. a baby is born and thrown in the trash in the first three minutes of the movie i was gonna say three burials of melchiatis estrada but it's not no. that one i'm gonna look it up so that was one, yeah. that was like our first date but we don't count that in our record book because it was so disturbing the homesman the homesman we don't even acknowledge it we don't recognize it <laughs> we needed we need something much more uplifting to celebrate the anniversary of the beginning of our love so our real first date at Cannes was Foxcatcher. oh man steve carell man yes. <laughs> Mark Ruffalo, Academy Award nominated, Bennett Miller, the director of Capote, just a dark, disturbing movie involving American wrestling. That's how you and Mariah. When Steve, when Steve Carell's asking for more cocaine in the helicopter, I knew then. <laughs> John Dupont. But you know, it's crazy. I remember I remember posting that Steve Carell's gonna get an Oscar nom, and I think the amount of fuck you and your family comments you're a moron i got in my in my mentions was like all-time stuff as much as i say stuff like rj barrett should be a hall of famer and things like that nice and then sure enough steve Carell, oscar nom you know and i remember that one adnan is a good one for you i remember at Foxcatcher, channing tatum was so terrified on the carpet you know here's a guy wow i mean this man danced in a cage for money in tampa you know what i mean yeah Right. And now here he is in a tuxedo on the French Riviera. <laughs> and like, Freaking Soderbergh. Magic what? Mike and now I'm on and the I French Riviera. And I interviewed that dude yeah. for like 10 years before that. And I remember him afterwards, the day after I did the sit-downs. And he was like, yo, can you believe this? Like, we're here? This is, what is this? Like, 
what are you talking about? I'm like, dude, I'm behind a rope. They don't let me with a microphone a hundred yards from me. What are you talking about? He's like, yo, I used to dance in a cage. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> so I love the life moments. I love when like just those, you know, and that carpet is about the size of the race that Chris ran in South Beach. Like it's a, it's like only, <laughs> it's only like a good 10 strides, you know, um, oh always run God. through the tape. Shouts to Chris Weber. But I think that, the red carpet at can looks um, like huge on TV, right? Like every supermodel and it's big. It's the size of like a 40 foot putt. Uh, listen, you still had me at Bob Balaban. I'm looking up. He was in Moonrise Kingdom, Monuments Men, Gosford Park, Best in Show, Isle of Dogs. Like Bob Balaban is unbelievable. You got to get up on the right we side. Need, we need an expendables of all like Richard Schiff, Bob Balaban's. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like the character <laughs> actors. Character actors that we oh, love. Oh, wow. Bob Balaban. I, I don't know his name, but right? I recognize this guy. Every time you see Bob Here's Balaban, this guy's a national treasure. I was treasure. in Midtown and one of my favorite actors. I had just seen him in a rendition of 12 Angry Men. He's in Carlito's Way. Meet the parents. He walked past. He said, hello, James Rebhorn. I'm a huge fan of your work. Yes. The late, great James Rebhorn. He would have been an expendable oh, yeah. character actor. Like, put him in a... Great incentive, a woman. Remember, he's the prick incentive oh, woman, James the headmaster. Yeah. I want to play this game all day. I love this game. Just type no, in Carlito's random Carlito's Way is amazing. Try to put Carlito away. But, Car awesome. but like, yeah. that's to get to what our conversation was, I uh, thought, intended for today was, uh, was do the right thing. And, and it yes. comes to casting. Let's get to do the right thing. And I think a Giancarlo yeah. Esposito is bug out and an early casting yes. of Martin Lawrence uh, in a crazy role. And casting <laughs> made that movie. Robbie Reed, the casting director, did so many of Spike's films from Malcolm X to Jungle Fever and Crooklyn. Went on to do things like Harlem Nights and just a so many movies, produced movies. And I love the casting of that movie because not only do you get young talent on the rise, but you get young, you get iconic talent towards the end of the sad life or career. I mean, Ozzie Davis and just a wonderful performance. I mean, Ruby D would go on to have a career, but to have the older actors, Danny Aiello, whose who's performance is yeah. set, it's, everyone is perfectly cast in that film. Um, that's really brings the, the, the movie to life for me when I think back to Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. Yeah, I want to talk to you about it because to me, it's the quintessential summer movie. So every summer I want to watch Do the Right Thing. I know he's your favorite filmmaker. He's one of mine as well. You mentioned the casting. You know, it's Rosie Perez, obviously, young ingenue. She's in that dance sequence at the beginning. I just, you know, people ask you what makes it so great. Why does it still hold up? To me, Ben, it's a microcosm of America. And considering what we've gone through the last year plus with Black Lives Matter and police violence, this is a film made in 1989 which looks awfully prescient as to all the events that have happened today. It shows that maybe some things have changed, but some things stay the same. And what the film is so great at doing is, especially with humor early on, is showcasing all the differences between all these different people, and yet with a harrowing ending, really makes it come through with such passion and such verve. And when I watch that film, I just go, God, I can't believe it. it really is a tour de force. It's all Spike. He wrote, directed, acted, produced. Like It's very rare to have a guy who is that much of his product, maybe Orson Welles, and it's such a signature voice. But when I think about it, it's a microcosm of America and it's still awfully timely even though it was made in 1989 so true and you think about where Spike was as a filmmaker not his first film but oftentimes early on in the careers of filmmakers they can feel like they need to pack their entire life into a movie and sometimes it just bursts out of the frame do the right thing despite its frenetic ending has a patience to it it plays like great theater um it's as close to a perfect movie as you can get. I mean, he sneaks in a Michael Jordan sneaker getting scuffed and a Larry Bird. <laughs> Larry <guy> Bird. Because <laughs> you know that's Spike. That's his life. He's as, as big a sports fan as, as anybody. And 
to also, you know, have the feeling that, yes, the film feels and sadly in many ways like it could have been made yesterday and it's far too timely. There's also a passing of the baton and a moving forward in what I take away from it now is his character Mookie is constantly telling the audience to wake up or wake up or you're hearing that's not Mookie saying wake up. It's everyone saying wake up. And it's the idea that we're now woke. Like, so maybe we have woken up in some ways and that is moving it forward. It gives me some comfort in that. However, there are far too many young black men who have died at the hands of police officers in this country since that movie's been made, since before that movie has been made, while that movie's happening. And it's just, it's the greatest American tragedy, I think, of our lifetime, is that the people we employ to protect, keep us safe, are oftentimes the, at the hands of just the opposite, of extreme violence and, and murder. And that's what happens at the end of that film. And it was inspired by a real murder in New York City, a graffiti artist. Um, I believe his name is Michael Stewart at the time, who was murdered by police officers in, in an era of no cell phones, in an era of no camera phones, in an era of no security footage to capture a horrific tragedy like that. So an artist like Spike can take the rose from the concrete and just find the beauty in that is, is, is crazy. And to make great art out of that tragedy um, that sparks conversations now 30 years later, that film is, is, is filled with every single human emotion. Uh, from love to sadness to fear to misunderstanding to uh, hope to love. I mean, it's, it's humor. It's got everything. I, 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 Jay, I watched it on the flight the other day just because I knew we were doing this. And every frame, um, it, it, it brings you in. And I think it starts with the heat on the screen. The heat is a character. Unto itself. You feel how hot everything is. The, the precipitation is like is, is a character unto itself in the film. Yeah, at one point, Danny Ellis says, I'm going to kill someone today because he's getting so pissed off the way his brothers are always bickering. Speaking of that guy, Richard Edson in the That Guy Hall of Fame, love him. Obviously, everyone knows John Turturro, who's playing Pino. And again, to go to the casting, I mean, Aiello, originally De Niro was offered the part, and he said no to Spike. He said, I played too many kind of guys like that. And as much as I adore De Niro, you know he's one of my favorite actors, I think Aiello knocks it out of the park. I think it almost fits better because it's Danny Aiello because he didn't have a signature performance. That movie, you see it, and it's, it's so iconic to think of him as Sal, and and he's amazing in that movie. And I mean, that's where him and Bugging Out go back and forth with each other. It's amazing. Played softball with my dad in Central Park for many years. Was one of the park rats in the 70s and 80s in the Central Park area playing fast pitch softball. Not arc ball, as my dad will point out. But Danny Aiello also, <laughs> before he was a big actor, was, I believe, a, a train conductor. He announced the stops on the... Uh, on the train yes. coming up next uh 42nd street uh, yeah yeah so he's a train <laughs> announcer i believe um and i remember my sister going to an interview with i think with my with danny aiello and my dad at a young age and them having a funny banter and friendship when my sister was like nine well i love the fact I was, but we'll get to the personal connections i know obviously your dad i just love spike, throwing you those at spike. you adnan because they make you laugh because it's just like a game of like what weird anecdote and six degrees of Kevin Bacon can Ben squeeze in here but you know but I love the point when you know when when Pino says to him, when they go back and forth this is a great speech with Spike nailed on when the whole concept of because you know all your favorite heroes are black he's saying this to Totoro's character and he's like he goes they're black but they're not really black and you hear that all the time you hear these people go well but they're black it's almost like they're different and Spike's like hey man just because you love Michael Jordan and Michael Jackson, he's like, no, Bruce. He's like, no, Bruce. And he's like, you view black people different way. Like, oh, the black guy that's in the street, that's not the same as the multi-millionaire entertainer that I think of. And then he comes back at him. He's like, well, fuck you and fuck Frank Sinatra.
Sinatra. And then, and then they've got that incredible sequence where, like, the, the, think of the chutzpah that Spike had to say, all right, we're going to have groups toss every ethnic insult in the entire group, and that's going to be this two-minute sequence, and it's going to work because it's so passionate and it's so in-your-face and it's so audacious. Same thing that's going on today in sports, Adnan. How many people in Texas who have problems with immigration love the fact that Dirk Nowitzki won him a championship? Like, what are you talking about? Like, people from around the world have built lives for themselves in America, and that's what's made this country special. And we celebrate that selectively, sadly, as a society. Everybody was cheering yesterday for Otani out in Denver. How many people in Colorado don't want to see people crossing the borders, right? So we have immigrants, you have people from around the world who come here for a dream and should be celebrated, not only when they're hitting home runs or or, you know, slam, making slam dunks for our favorite team. So, like, that, that theme still permeates today. Um, a little different conversation. But the idea of, of yeah, I mean, you know, I think constantly about representation in media and, and how the impact it has. Um, I think there's a, a huge uh, problem in Major League Baseball with the lack of great black American players. I remember as a kid being, you know, inspired by so many. You saw Griffey out there last night. It's kind of a trip to see your childhood heroes out there as the old guys. But there were so many great American black baseball players. And, you know, Spike's love of baseball is so real. And that doesn't exist anymore. Why is that? Trying to understand that uh, from a lot of different views and perspectives, I think, is healthy. And I think a movie like that, a scene like that, can spark conversation like that. How many moments in Do the Right Thing? that you can just selectively take that scene. That's why I feel like it reads like great theater. It's a great set. It's got great set pieces. It's self-contained characters popping in wardrobe, all the things you need for a great intimate drama on stage. Do the right thing has that. And I think, I mean, you could take those scenes off the page and have whole conversations and debates about life and society. And that's what makes the movie so special. I think. Yeah, even the anti-Asian sentiment, like Radio Rahim is getting mad at double D, D, mother, you know what I mean? Again, that's going to the anti-Asian sentiment, speak English, all this stuff. Like it's, so much of that stuff is building underneath the surface. That's wild that that movie was made so long ago and like the stories we were hearing this week, that's wild. Oh yeah, it's such a topical film. Like I just it's always sad. You're right, that. Cody. It's sad that it's so on the nose, but it's also inspiring because I feel like these conversations were not being had anywhere else at that time. Now we're yeah. having them across everything, which is at least moving it in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Public enemies used to fight the power. I mean, is that perfect yeah, or what? What a the great music's song. incredible. Sam Jackson, who I who first of all, yes. did he name himself in that movie? Because I think his name is like Mr. Senor Love Daddy. And I feel like that's yes. something he would say with Cody on the golf course out in Tahoe after draining <laughs> a putt, you know. Um, but the names in the movie, bugging out, Mookie. Uh, you know, uh, Radio Rahim. They just add mother, sister, the mayor. There's these characters. Yeah, the and they just great. bring so much uh, to it. But yeah, the music as well. And Sam Jackson just checking in with everybody throughout the film is, is fantastic. <laughs> Only ever interviewed Spike once. It was me and Van Pelt. Van Pelt was asking a bunch of Nick stuff. And at the end, I'm like, I got to get into this one little thing. And I go, hey, Spike, just want to let you know, I'm still talking to the executives. We're still trying to get some brothers up on the wall. And like, big belly laugh. He was excited. I, I know your dad's interviewed a bunch. You've met him a bunch. I, tell me a spike straight, whatever you like. Three years ago, Black Klansman is doing an awards campaign. Uh, spike would go on to win for screenplay. Um, and remember, the film kind of came out early in the race. I think it was a summertime release. It played at Cannes. Then I believe it was a summertime yeah. release. Give it in August. And to give it kind of a, a breath of fresh air come awards season, 
studio went through great lengths to celebrate the DVD release or the digital release or the, the home version. They had a party at the Four Seasons, a screening of it, some snacks, the cast, Topher Grace, Clay, trying to get validation for his parking. And I was watching the Knicks opening night game against the Hawks on my phone in the corner. And Spike removed himself from the party for Black Klansmen to come over and watch the Knicks and Hawks. The Knicks won. And we have all these photos of us like toasting wine as if we've like won the Eastern Conference. And they won the first game of the season. They went 1-0. and And I think they won 19 games that season. So Spike... <laughs> will turn out like turn his back to a room of 500 people there who are trying to get him an Oscar to make sure the Knicks are, you know, Frank to see what Kevin Knox did in his rookie debut. <laughs> the delivery of, I think they won 19 more games that year. Like, all right, that's where, that's where Spike's loyalty is. <laughs> that's what I respect the most about Spike. It's not being there for all those moments in the nineties and the great games when the garden was humming in June and, and you know, sticking it out. No, it's a Tuesday night in February when they're starting Travis Ware. And they're playing Orlando and load managing Aaron Gordon. And this is like, you're there, dude. Yeah, that's that's respect. I am Ben Lyons. He's the best. You can follow him on Twitter, on Instagram. He's got a host of projects. He's always working on something. And right now I can tell you he's filling in for the Rich Eisen Show. So check that out this week and next week. And plug Mariah's book because now Cody's going to go buy it. What's the Crystal name of the book? Healing for Women. My wife, Mariah Lyons, has a shoe company, Astara, that is crystal grounding footwear attuned to the frequency of the earth. And she wrote a best-selling book that Adnan has been an amazing champion of. I hope the women in your life are picking up these secrets of the earth and the stones that that have provided comfort to people from around the world. We have people from Australia, from Japan, from South America, hitting us up, reaching out, connecting with us because of connecting with her because of the book. And she's just on cloud nine. So all the support is awesome. And Cody, if you ever, you know, have that lovely lady in your life and she's going through something mm -hmm. and, you know, needs a little healing, then turn to the powers of the earth, powers of the stone, crystal healing for women by Mariah K. Lyons available wherever books are sold. I gave it to my uh, co-worker, Lauren Gardner. Ben, she sent me a thank you note the other day. Literally a handwritten thank you note. Thank you so much for that book. It's helped me so much. So, Cody, get it for your wife. Great stocking stuff. A handwritten stuff. thank you that's, note. What year is this? That's very thoughtful. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. um, in our household, you know, we've got, uh, we've got some stones uh, on one side of the, of, of the dresser, and we have a bowling pin signed by Anthony Mason on the other side of the dresser. <laughs> Bowling pins and Anthony Mason. Mason, your face. Ben Lyons is the best. Thanks, Take care, ben. guys. Cody, I hope to see you out at the uh, Toronto Film Festival or NBA All-Star Weekend or I'm one of ready. these Hollywood places where Hollywood guys like us hang, you know? I'm ready, man. I'm serious. Nice yeah, to meet you. Thanks man. for taking some time, dude. Uh, yo, the 24 hours was awesome. I think I watched 20, bro. It was fantastic. Oh, my God. <laughs> Freedom, yes. All right, thanks so much to Ben Lyons. Thanks to Chris Cody, as always. He had a very busy week. Uh, that's why he was still able to contribute information, might I add, on Black Widow and Quick Change. And uh, next week, Space Jam 2 is in theaters. There's lots more coming up, so who knows? Maybe a surprise Levitard guest. We'll keep it rolling here on Cinephile. Subscribe, rate, and review, and I'll see you at the movies.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.